Uh, thank you, Joel. My wife tapped me after we sang that last song and said, we've got to do some work on that one at home. <laughs> but, you know, by the third time, I think I was getting it. So, um, anyway, that was, that was, that's a good reminder. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. It is a joy to be back with you. Um, I really appreciate your pastors and the ministry of your church here. You guys are deeply, really richly blessed uh, to have the leadership that you do have here. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord in prayer before we look into his word. Father, it is a delight for us to be together today in your presence. And Lord, um, these songs we sang today, the gospel is so rich. We are nothing without Christ. We are hopeless and helpless. But God, in Christ, we, 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 have, we have everything that you you have intended for us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the hope in the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you do bind us together in love. Your spirit is actively at work in our lives, making us the community that you want us to be. And Lord, I pray now as we look in your word that you'll quiet our hearts and our thoughts. and Just allow us to focus afresh upon you and your word. And we pray that your spirit will take your word Make us more like your beloved son. In his name I pray. Amen. I know several fishermen in my day. And I know why people talk about fishing stories. I I, I assume that they're correct. But some of the stories that guys have shared with me, Oh, Doug, you can't believe I got... got, It was like two fish on one hook. It was unbelievable. You know, I'm not enough of a fisherman to know, but but I've heard a lot of whopping good fishing stories through the years. And sometimes I'm going like, whatever, I guess that might be true. I'm not an expert. My own experience, all my fishing stories are pathetic. I'll just share one with you. A couple years ago, we were up in Canada. My family was up there. We were up there for a uh, kind of a conference at a church and just spent a week up there. Had a wonderful time. <laughs> and the pastor of the church said, hey, Doug, you guys want to go out fishing right off the coast? I mean, we got a lobster man and a fisherman. Man, they, they, it's just incredible. I said, yeah, that would be, be terrific. And, but, but I didn't tell him that my daughter, my, my daughter Rachel, my oldest, None of us have ever had good fishing experiences. I didn't say that. And she was looking at me, and I said, come on, honey, we'll have a great time. So we went out, and we spent two hours out there on the ocean. It was beautiful. We never so much as got a bite on any one of those hooks. And he kept looking back at me and saying, this has never happened to me before. (laughs) And I thought, it just figures out. That would be my experience, you know. I mean, so when it comes to fishing stories, mine are always pathetic. When you come to Luke chapter 5, you're going to find a story, a fishing story, that moves from being pathetic to being a whopping good story. So I want to kind of talk you through that. And if you've been around Christianity any period of time, if you don't know this, this, uh, mess, this story from, from Sunday school, you weren't listening or, or something. Something was going on. Just a little bit of background. Um, as we come to Luke chapter 5, as we're coming out of Luke chapter 4, one of the things that we find is that Peter, and if you put this together with, other, with the Gospel of John, Peter's been on a series of kind of what we might call mission trips, short-term mission trips with Jesus. And, and Jesus has done some incredible things. 
in, in, in Luke chapter 4, Peter has seen Jesus at work in a, in a synagogue, and he, he's heard him teach, and, and he's seen him heal. Matter of fact, right before this, Peter has Jesus into his own home, and Jesus heals his mother-in-law. Now, now I'll tell you why that's important. Because as, as we come to this story, we're going to see another miracle. But it's not like Peter has never seen a miracle before. He's seen Jesus do miracles. He's been on different trips with Jesus. So, so he, here's the point. You say, I'm a Christian. I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My faith is only in Him and all that. Great. I mean, that's where it begins, right? We become followers of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we can stop there. God is always at work deepening our faith walk with him so we're taking that next step and going deeper into that relationship with him. And I think that's what we're going to find here in Luke chapter 5. So although it's about Peter, it's really about you too. Okay, so, so, so read Peter, but as you're reading Peter thinking, I, I, what I pray is that God's spirit will be going like, and in your life, remember when, right? I mean, that's the kind of work God wants to do in our lives as we're working through this story. The setting we find there in verses 1 to 3. Let me read the text and then just unpack some things for you. The Bible says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, what do you think about this? So here's Jesus speaking to the crowd, and because they're kind of pressing upon him, he finds himself right at the edge of the lake. Where else can you go? Do you see? I mean, you're backed up to the lake. And, and, and they're just pressing because they want to hear him. He's an incredible teacher. So Jesus does what he's done elsewhere, but he, he does it here. It's actually quite smart. He said, of course, what else would you expect from Jesus? But anyway, verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, okay, Simon Peter and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, one of the things we know as the story continues is that the reason Peter is there by his boat cleaning his nets is because he's had a very, very terrible time. He's had a pathetic time catching fish the night before. And it's not because he didn't know where to, to, to fish, and it's not because he didn't know when not to fish. No, no. He did it at night. He would know exactly where offshore you're supposed to do it. He's an accomplished fisherman. That's what he does. I often wonder when I get to heaven, I want to ask him, so what were you talking about? As, as Jesus was backing up, backing up, the people were pressuring him. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm... I'd probably be griping and complaining, is my guess, you know. And, and Jesus is backing up, getting closer there, and he looks over and he says, can I use your boat? Well, what's Simon going to say? No to Jesus? Like, like how do you do that? I mean, he's, he's Messiah. He's been on trips with him. He loves Jesus. He's seen the miracles. Sure. Here's what you'll find in the story. Peter thinks that this is a story about Jesus and the people who are listening to him. But in reality... This is a story about Jesus and Peter. So Peter kind of feels like he's out here on the wing, you know, just kind of 
watching. And yeah, you can use my boat and I'll listen to your teaching. It's wonderful teaching about the kingdom and what you're doing. And I'll nod my head. And then what we'll do is we'll pull the boat back up to land. And I'm going to bed. Because, man, I am tired, a little bit grumpy. Hasn't been the best night. Do you you see what I'm saying? That's kind of how Peter is thinking in this story. Jesus, back up. Teach, yeah, because you're pressed, you'll teach the people who aren't going to come out into the water. When you're done, you're done. That's the setting. That's probably how Peter is thinking. <laughs> but what happens in the story is, because Jesus is using the boat, the whole story now is going to take place right in that boat and on that lake. And it's about Jesus, and it's about Peter. Now, I asked a couple experts in the back, before I came up here, uh, before the service. Joel was back there, and we talked with uh, two other gentlemen. And we were trying to estimate the distance from wall to wall here. And we, we thought 35 feet roughly something, maybe up to four, whatever, whatever. So one of the things that, that archaeologists have found, they have found a boat over in Israel that's about 2,000 years old, right there at the Sea of Galilee. And, and that boat's almost 28 feet long. So, I don't know, I might be off here a little bit, but roughly the stage, maybe, okay? give, give or take a little bit. So, just think about that. that this, this whole thing up here is the boat, okay? Does that make sense? And the, the boat that they found was, was about seven and a half feet wide and about four and a half feet high. So, I don't know, if I, seven, maybe back here, roughly? I'm just thinking. So, you got it? So, that's a pretty good-sized boat, isn't it? So Jesus is teaching in that boat. Peter's in that boat. And at least one assistant is in that boat. Okay? Maybe there's more, but, but at least that. Right, so th- does that kind of give you the picture? So that's the setting. This is the setting where we find ourselves. Peter's thinking, okay, Jesus is done teaching. We're ready to head in, and I'm going to bed. <laughs> that's not exactly what happens. Look at the text. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. That's really bad advice, humanly speaking. It's not the right time of the day, and you're not going to catch them out there. How do we know that? Don't you love Simon's response? I, I mean, think about this. Simon loves Jesus. He wants to be respectful to Jesus. But he also wants Jesus to know something. Jesus knows Messiah stuff, kingdom stuff. Okay, I get that. Yeah, we need to follow you. I got it. But Jesus, I know fishing. Right? Look at what he says. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. And haven't caught anything. That's code for, if you don't catch it then, you ain't going to catch it now. Do do, do you see? Okay. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I mean, it's kind of a, it's really, it's his subtle way of saying, this is not a good thing, Jesus. It's, it's, It's not wise. Hey, but you're master, I'm follower, we'll do it. Wouldn't you love to see the eye contact between Peter and 
whoever else is in that boat when Jesus made this comment. You know, and maybe the guy's going like, and he's going, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. But, but again, you know, I, in my mind, I kind of visualize all these things. I probably visualize too much. But, but, but these, are, these, are, these are a whopping good fish stories. So he says, okay, let, let's, let's just do it. And then notice what happens next. Verse 6. When they had done so, so they, they, they drop these nets, and, 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 and again, these nets, if you kind of think of uh, rope, web rope that fish could swim through, you would often have weights at the bottom. So I don't know, whatever, how do I do this? But anyway, be like this. And they would often have like a mesh in between those two areas of rope. So the fish would swim through the rope, get caught in the mesh, and because of the weights, they could pull it together and bring them up, okay? And, and, and it's a trommel net, so that, that's, that's kind of how they did it. But, but here's the point. When they had dropped those nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, is that a whopping good fish story? Think about it, folks. You got your boat up here? Okay, I'm trying to... Got it, right? Here, here, here's our boat. We have two boats this size that have so many fish in them that the boats are beginning to sink. Now, that's a whopping good fish story. And it really happened. What do you think Peter said next? Years ago, my kids were really small. We were sitting around the supper table. And I read this story, and I stopped right at this point. And for whatever reason, they, they had forgotten what they had learned in Sunday school. I don't know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I said, and, and, and this happened, and the, the, boats, the boats were filled up, and there was fish to the top of the boats, and the boats were, were... I said, what do you think Peter said at this point? Oh, man, my kids were thinking. I got six kids. I'm looking. Finally, one of my sons, Matthew, said, Dad... I bet I know what Peter said. I said, well, what do you think he said? I bet he's looked at Jesus and said, wow. <laughs> right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, that, when I read the story, I'm, like, I'm looking for like, wow. Doesn't it strike you as strange what is said here? Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Why did he fall at Jesus' knees and not his feet? He could have never gotten to his feet. There was fish everywhere, right? I mean, the only thing he could get to was his knees, right? So this makes total sense. He, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. None of my kids guessed that one. Wow kind of makes a whole lot more sense to me. But here's what's going on, folks. In that moment, when he sees this incredible catch of fish, he can't help but think about what he had just said. Push out a little bit farther and drop the nets. Okay, Lord, we'll do it. But it's not going to work. Because, Lord, you know kingdom, I know fishing. 
Wasn't he saying that? Have you ever done that in your own life? There's certain areas where think by and I got this one, God. I got this one. With or without you, I can do it. I don't verbalize it quite like that. But the way I live, that's really what I'm saying. I, 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 I can handle this. I, I, I'm a teacher. I, I like to teach. I like to learn more about teaching. I do all, the, all, all those kinds of things. Can I trust in my ability as a teacher apart from God? Yep. It happens. And in this moment... Peter is thinking to himself, what in the world have I been thinking? He is Lord of all. He, everything, fishing, he can do it all. I mean, yeah, he just saw his mother-in-law healed. But he hadn't quite put the whole thing together. He is Lord of every area of my life, including fishing. And in that moment, he thought to himself, If I could be so proud as to think that's something I own and hold on to, God should have nothing to do with me. Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Was Peter right when he said, I'm a sinful man? He was spot on. He was exactly correct. In that moment, he was saying, Christ... And me. And the only thing I can think in this moment, Lord, if there's such a distance because I was so arrogant, you shouldn't have anything to do with me. What could Jesus have said to him? I suppose you could have said, okay. You're right. I'm here. You're there. You're out of here. Right? But folks, the beauty of this passage is, I heard Dan Allender use these terms years ago. I've never forgotten them. Not for this text, for another thing. But it's really powerful. Peter was startled by the greatness of God, wasn't he? And that's when he saw this. And then he was surprised by his grace. Isn't that what God does all the time? We say, God. And God says, yes, that's true. And because you humbly realize that, you're the very person whose life I will sweep into and transform. I see this first, and I think it's hopeless. And God says, and I will come near in the person of my son, and I will change everything. Isn't that wonderful? Look look what the text says. Jesus' words. Um, Verse verse 10b. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Folks, watch this. Startled by his greatness, surprised by his grace, submissive to his call. 
Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Happens in Peter's life. Joel, I think you mentioned it about the tongue when you were praying Isaiah 6. Do you remember what happens in Isaiah chapter 6? Well, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 5, you will find Isaiah looking out and saying, woe to the people for this, and woe to the people for this, and woe to... I mean, just goes a, a litany of things that the, the Israelites are so far away from God on. He, he just cries out, woe, woe, woe. What happens when he comes in and has a vision of God? Woe is who? Woe is me. I can only put myself with them. And God, you are there. And I am here. And God in His grace comes near and cleanses him. And then says, who will go forth for me? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Or the Apostle Paul, recounting his story in 1 Timothy 1. He says, I was... I was such a blasphemer. I, I, was, I, I was the worst of sinners imaginable because of what I'd done to Christ and the church. It, all I saw was this. And yet God graciously saved me. And, and I now am privileged to minister to others. Do, do, do you see how that works? It, it's being awed by His greatness experiencing His grace, and then living my entire life saying, thank you God, by your power, I want to minister to people. It's exactly where Peter comes. So this text tells me, and I, I love, I, I noticed this in your bulletin. Do I have your bulletin with me? I think I, I guess I left it in there. It's, it's okay. Cultivating Christ followers. That's your motto. I love that motto. Because this text tells us that a Christ follower who is humbled by the greatness of Christ is then privileged to impact humanity by the grace of Christ. Do you see that? Here's the problem. I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. That's pushing on 50 years. That's a long time. Do you ever think, or in your own experience, have you ever got kind of nonchalant about ministry? Yeah, those missionaries that pastor was preaching about. Yeah, they're, that's really good. I'm glad I gave some money to that. That's good. Yeah, co-worker. Half of them are going to hell anyway, whatever. Yeah. Is it not easy for us sometimes just to become complacent? Or to see ministry as merely duty? Now, I, I get that. I mean, I, I don't go to work every day saying, I, I should. I don't go to work every day saying, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord. For, I mean, sometimes I just... I'm a little grumbly, and I put my clothes on, and I go, and I do what I have to do, and I say, God, please help me in the process. I, I get that. I mean, I mean like, I, I know. I understand that. But it's kind of hard to live my whole life that way. There means, needs to be times in our lives when we pull back and we reflect afresh about the incredible greatness of God, 
a sovereign God, an all-powerful God, an all-present God, who can do anything he wants at any time for whatever reason. It's his world. And then there's Doug Finer, who chatters along for maybe 70, 80 years in God's grace, and then I'm gone. Like, what am I? Do you see? He's so great. And I am like this. And when I think to myself, do, do you meet God? There's this great chasm. And when I became a Christian, I recognized the chasm. And, and Christ came and saved me. But, but when I reflect now, he's still so much more than me. Why would he choose to use me? He could use other people. He could use angels, all kinds of stuff. And when I reflect on this, and I remember that God has saved me, and God wants to work through me, and then God wants me to go out in ministry, and he doesn't say, okay, Finkbinder, go for it. Let me know how it goes. Does he do that? No, because who is going to produce the change in people's life? Doug Finkbinder? No, he's the one that will do that work through us. So just to pull back in our lives from time to time and think, you're so awesome. In and of myself, Lord, yes, I know I'm created in the image of God, I get that, but still, compared to you, nothing. And yet you choose to use me for your glory. Folks, I find it to be an incredible story. I may have the quote here a little bit wrong, but do, do you remember um, the line, the witch in the wardrobe? When Lucy asked the question, is the lion, is Aslan safe? What does the beaver say? He is not safe, but he is good. Do you realize that? He is not safe. But he is good. And he then privileges us to move into the lives of our neighbors and our family members and people at, at the workplace and other church members and people because God wants to trans- save and transform people. And he says, I want you to move into their lives Not because, oh, I guess I got to. I am a pastor after all. Really? We're all ministers. Do you know that? If you're you're a believer here today, and when I walked in here, if I said, "Um, who's the minister of the church? If you said Joel, you would only be partially correct because he's just one of many. He and Scott are equippers, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, I get that. But we're all ministers. And, 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 and to think about God, and to think about us, and that God would choose to use us to move into the lives of others, and when we move into the lives of others, I'm faithfully doing what He's called me to do, and His Spirit is working on the inside to transform people in the process. What's better than that? And nobody in here gets away with it. If you know Jesus Christ, you are a minister. You are a follower of his. And this is how we should be living our lives.
Allender also said this. He said, the God of the Bible is more fearful than we had thought, but infinitely more gracious than we could ever have imagined. Isn't that beautiful? When you come face to face with God and think about it, it's worse than you thought. But this great God is a gracious God. If you only meditate on His grace and you forget His greatness, you will trivialize God. Ah, it's God. He'll be okay with this. Or something like that. And if you only focus on the greatness of God to the exclusion of His grace, you'll live in constant fear. But if you mesh them together, you will live with a respect and an awe of who He is and a lifetime of appreciation for what He has done in the person of His Son and what His Spirit wants to do in your life for a lifetime. Do you see? This is a whopping good story. And I don't know what it means for you where God wants to help you experience and see afresh His incredible greatness, His wonderful grace that then calls us to move into the lives of others and be used by Him for transformation. I heard a preacher years ago kind of do a... Um, I don't know, kind of an, uh, an exposition of that, that old little um, ditty, Pussycat, Pussycat, Where Have You Been? You know what I mean? You know, you read it to your kids. You remember that one? Pussycat, Pussycat, Where Have You Been? I've been to London to visit the Queen. Pussycat, Pussycat, what did you there? Man, here is the punchline. I frightened a little mouse under her chair. Whoa, 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 whoa. You went all the way to London. I mean, you had to get there. It was expensive to go there by boat. I don't know how you got there. I mean, how do mice get there? But you, you got there. You finally ended up in this royal home. You were actually under her throne, and all you could do as a cat was to, to sit around and chase a mouse. But you know, that's what I do sometimes. I stand in the presence of royalty far greater than any English sovereign. And I chase mice. I play games. I, I, I come to church, but then I go and do what I want. And I'm not awed by how great you are, God. And how low I am, and yet you want to use me, forgive me, transform me, and use me in other people's lives. Man, I read myself all through that pussycat story. John Newton died at the age of 82. Before he died, he whispered this to a friend. He said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner. Do you see this? And that Christ is a great Savior. Folks, 
as a Christ follower. If you have seen this and have experienced this, will you not move into the lives of others knowing that God wants to work through you to transform others? And if you do, don't be surprised with the catch of fish. Father, we, we so easily forget what is real and what is true. It is so easy, Lord, for us to become enamored by technology and just a whole host of things, Lord. And forget you, the sovereign of all. The great God who is beyond us. But the great God who has come near in the person of your Son and your grace. And Lord, for those of us that have bowed the knee and trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you want us to move into all of our relationships, lost and saved alike, seeking to be your ministers through whom you transform others. Father, allow us to see what is true. And through your Spirit, do your good work. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.